This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbours. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWH employee. This week we announced the categories in respective nominees for the end of season West Ham Way Awards and speak to the winner of the West Ham Way Premier League Predictions competition before getting the latest from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Okay, X, it's that time of year again where we host our own version to the end of season awards and you have the categories for us, categories that you're going to reveal, discuss and eventually put out to patrons so they can vote for their winners, which will be revealed on next week's show. So give us the first one, mate. Well, so the first one's just fairly obviously Hammer of the Year. Now, I mean, I know it's already been voted for um, in terms of... 
the uh, main award, we all know who won, um, but I just thought, just in case there's any uh, discrepancies between us and the main award, we should do that. And obviously the main contenders are the ones that have been the main contenders anyway. So Rice, Bowen, Dawson, uh, they're the main three. But what I'll do is I'll just put maybe eight names down when I do that vote, um, of which obviously those three will be part of it, and then the patron can vote for who they think is the best out of those. Um, obviously, Declan won the most amount of Man of the Match awards from our uh, our um, match Man of the Match thing. I mean, he smashed it. I mean, he got like 17, and I think the next person was on about five or six. Wow. So I'd be very surprised if Declan doesn't win this award, but um, that is the first award. Yeah, it went to the right man, didn't it? I mean, I think Jared yeah. got a number of votes. I think Craig did as well uh, in terms of the official polling for that. Do you know how close it was? No, I actually haven't even seen it being confirmed for who got second yet, to be honest with you. That's strange, That's it. Isn't it? No, it probably has been. I might have just missed it. I have a look. But um, yeah, I don't see it being confirmed anywhere who got second. But um, I think I'd be, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Bowen. Mm, yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, for me, it's um, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really. You know, some of our players had a great season, but Deck was head and shoulders, really, when he, he got our votes and rightfully was the hammer of the year this year. So like you, I'd be surprised if that went any other way. Yeah, and then I broke it down into positions as well. So goalkeeper of the year, obviously, there's only really two contenders for that. Um, I did, you know, you're going to put Randolph and Martin down, but uh, the two contenders are... Um, like Fabianski and Ariola, and it's difficult one to decide between that because obviously Fabianski played a lot more games, so it's a bit of an imbalance. But I guess you just have to think about the overall performances, who contributed the most. See, Ariola made some crucial saves in Europe, also in the penalty shootout against Man City. So it's basically between those two, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you make a good point there. Um, Ariola, I think, has been solid for us when he's come in. For me personally, and I think you might disagree with this because I think it's fair to say you're possibly a bit more of a critic of, of Fab than I am. And I'm not even saying that's unjustified because we know that he has had a few hairy moments and maybe a few question marks over some of the goals. But generally speaking, I'm not sure he actually gets the credit he deserves. I think he's had another solid season for us. And I, I do see him as a reliable goalkeeper. And I think over a period of time, he has been consistent for West Ham. And I, I do like him. I think he's a good keeper. So I think Fab Fab edges that for me. I uh, see. So I think Ariola edges it for me. Like, really? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Fabianski is a solid keeper. I, I don't mind Fabianski. I'm quite happy. You know, I don't really see the team shit. I don't go, oh, no, like that. Like I have done with previous keepers and stuff. But I, um, I don't... Um, I don't think he's as consistent as he should be. I think some games he's really good and, and, and does well. And other times he doesn't command his area, has not grateful crosses. And often there's, there's goals where I think, oh, could he have done a little bit better? I mean, if you have that doubt about that, keepers that regularly, then perhaps they aren't the best that they can be. When Ariola's played, I very rarely remember thinking he's done something wrong. I think there might be one incident from memory, but I, I can barely remember any. And I think just for me, just about edges it. I think it's close because obviously it's it's hard to compare because there's different amounts of games and so on. Yeah. I think if you if you're looking at their overall contributions to the games they did play, I mean Ariola had more um, has been a, almost had more like ratio wise than Fabianski. And when the official poll did the save of the season, a lot of them were Ariolas. And if you think he played like yeah. a quarter of the games of Fabianski, that kind of says something as well. 
Yeah. And do you know what? And, and whilst I do think he's a reliable goalkeeper, I would actually, depending on who we sign, look to maybe move him into the number two spot for next season, actually. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm talking about, you know, seasons gone by, including last season. But I don't know, with Fab, I, I don't know. I just think sometimes he isn't given the credit he's deserved. Because sometimes I'll watch him and I think he's had a fantastic game. Whereas I see the general kind of feedback from fans being, oh, yeah, no, he, he played quite well. Well, actually, I think he's been fantastic at times. So it's going to be interesting to see what the patrons say about this, because you're also right. You know, the official awards, most of which went to Areola when it came to key saves, etc. Could you also argue that, with the exception of the, the latter rounds of the European competition, that Fabianski's had to play better opposition? Yeah, that's a um, fair point. So there are some factors to take into account. It's an interesting one, and don't get me wrong, I think Ariola's a great keeper. I'd like us to sign him on a permanent and then maybe look to give him the number one shirt going into next season. But looking at last season, for me, Fab probably just edges it and then you've gone the other way. So I'll be interested to see what the Patriots Yeah, I think it'll be quite close. This one, um, Defender of the Year. Um, <clears throat> obviously, there's all the defenders, but I, I guess the, the key ones that are going to be in contention are Johnson, maybe Zuma, Dawson and Cresswell. Um, and I'd probably put it down to being Zuma and Dawson will be the two front runners for that, I would have said. Um, and for me, I think Dawson just edges it. I think Zuma um, has been brilliant when he's played. When you throw in the cat incident and you throw in the fact he's had quite a lot of injuries as well, I think Dawson's played through injuries and played at a very high standard, perhaps a standard that we didn't necessarily expect that he would do. Um, so I think he's he gets Defender of the Year for me. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, I feel really sad when we talk about this because Creswell is someone that we should be talking about. I think defensively he's been... I think he's been consistent. I think his set pieces have been phenomenal. I think it's been such a key part of this side again. But unfortunately, it's marred by the two semi-finals yeah. um, in terms of, of, of the red cards, which is really unfortunate. Uh, or the two games where he got a, a red card. So that probably sees him out of contention with this. Zuma, I think you're right. I think what a signing that was for West Ham. Um, brilliant player, but obviously off the field activities has, has not done him any favours there. Um, so I think, you know, you talk about Craig Dawson, return on investment is just absolutely incredible. And, you know, the, his leadership, his grit, his, his determination, his ability, his aerial threat as well. Uh, I think I would definitely agree with you on that one. It's got to go to Ballon Dawson. Yeah. So for the midfielder of the year, I kind of made it a bit different. So I put some like midfielders, I guess wingers as forwards, just so that Antonio had competition. Because obviously we only had one forward all season. So it would have been a duff award if I hadn't done this. So for in terms of midfielders, I've put it all down to central midfielders, really um, sort of the less direct winger ones and so I've put midfielder of the year I mean we all know who's going to win this anyway so be interested to see who mm. comes second but I'll put Fennells Lanzini Suchek and Rice as the options there as the main four I would guess but obviously Noble might have a shout but I think it's I mean that's fairly obvious who's going to win that one really be interested to see who gets second place I think Fennells for me would have to get second place but um, it'll be interested to see on that one 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's it's deck again, and it? he's just such a phenomenal player, and he got hammer of the year, rightfully so. So I think by default that makes him the best midfielder there. But yeah, again, it would be quite interesting. Full nails. It's it's a funny one with full nails, isn't it? You know, I, I sometimes wonder if he's underrated or overrated by West Ham fans. It seems to be yeah. a bit of a mixed bag of opinions on him, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Some games I think he's really influential and then other games I think he doesn't perhaps do much. So, again, consistency would be something to perhaps work on. But I think overall across the season, he has had a good season. And, he, and you know, when West Ham have played well, he's tended to play well as well. So I think I think he is a, I think he is a good player and I'm glad we've got him. And I like his, like, sort of personality as well. He comes across well off the pitch and stuff. So, yeah, I think it will go Rice and then Fornells, which is interesting because you know, even when you're talking, you talk about the defender, runner-up of the Hammer of the Year last year was Shafal. Not even talking about him as a contender. No. Obviously, Hammer of the Year last year was Suchek. And, you know, for me, he'd have to be, I'd almost be tempted to put him beneath Noble, which is harsh because Noble barely played. But obviously, the sentimental factor comes in a little bit there. But I think Suchek's season's been disappointing on the whole yeah it's been disappointing from all the Czech boys really isn't it let's be honest yeah um, yeah and again it's like I've said in the previous podcast we've you know big success comes big expectations and if you look at the success of the the two Czech boys last season um the expectation levels just haven't been met this season and it's been a shame I'm not really too sure where Shufau's dropping form has come from, to be honest. But with Suchek, I mean, someone the made injuries a... are a factor in that. He, yeah, he said, he said he'd played most of the season with a not feeling right. So yeah, true, and it probably is just as straightforward as that. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it does come down to that. We've, I've, do you know what? I think with Suchek, you can probably argue something similar in the sense that. I think mean, someone mentioned it to me the other day. I think he's had something like four head injuries in 13 months now. And yeah. I don't know if that psychologically has had an impact on him, you know, in terms of his his confidence, his bravery, his self-belief. I don't know. And tactically, I don't know if something's going on behind the scenes. It's, it was sort of suggested that maybe he was uh, advised to sit back more so that can go forward. But I think you kind of squashed that and said that wasn't the case. So I don't know. It's a bit of a head scratcher and it's a bit of a shame, really, because, um, you know, he, he was a fan favourite, Tom. And now... You know, speculation over us moving him on. So it's mm-hmm. um it's been funny, isn't it, to see how some players have performed in comparison to last season. But yeah, in terms of the poll, it's it's deck and it head and shoulders. Yeah. Well maybe we could ask Suchet directly what his opinions are on it. Yeah, it's, it's my head. <laughs> my head still fucking hurts. But you know, even if I was the best player on the pitch, I still wouldn't get any credit from fucking X. So fuck <laughs> you. <yeah. laughs> I can't fucking win with him. <laughs> Brilliant. But you remember I did give you advice, I've given you at least two weeks notice that the patrons want a conversation between Suchek and Harry Kane. Yeah, they're not getting it. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, come because on. in those two weeks, I haven't even given it a fault. So no, no. <laughs> I think that's possibly the only time you're going to get from me this week. But I was saying to you the other day, if we do move Tom on, I don't know what that means for the future of this impression, really, because it comes a bit dated, doesn't it? I think we just have to, like, you know, where we do like lone roundup or the, you know, that's something I think we just have to do a sue check roundup and, and just, uh, and we just have to let the patient know what he's doing each week and then, and then we'll just have to get comment from the man himself each week. But that's the only way to keep it going because I mean, I'll, this is for my section, but there are clubs interested in bidding for him, um, yeah. and, and that, that, that perhaps might start to bid for him soon. And as I've said, the club well uh, are open to offers on him, so it, it could be it could be that this this amazing impression that everyone loves so much 
it's going to have to be like, yeah, like tinkered with somewhat because he don't play for us anymore. Possibly, yeah. I mean, there is every chance he could stay with us, of course, if no one matches our expectations or we don't get a decent replacement in. So it's not, it's not definitely going at this point. But it's not as you know, if you'd said to me a year ago when he was just off the back of winning Hammer of the Year that the club would be, would listen to offers, I'd have been shocked. Yeah, I know. I mean, Sky have come out and said that that. Um, that they, that they want to build the team around him and stuff, but that's not what I'm hearing from people close to, you know, the, the manager and the people that deal with recruitment and stuff. You know, of course, they're not, they're not desperate to get rid of him. You know, if he stays, he stays, and, you know, they can still utilise him. But I think if a decent offer came in, it wouldn't be like Declan where we'd price him out of the market. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to hear more in your section on that and uh, yeah. other bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, sad really, because he's a great lad as well. Tom. He is, just yeah. Getting get back to his best next season. He is yeah. a crucial part of the side, but... A hundred percent. I mean, I really, really like him. I, mean, I think your impressions have made me like him more. Somewhat, even though he, he's, <laughs> he's often arguing oh, yeah. with me in those impressions, <laughs> I somewhat find it endearing. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I am, yeah, I think I'd, yeah, I would actually miss him if he moved on, definitely. And he's obviously a good lad. And as he, like, you know, all the stuff he did for Ireland, and you know when she was alive and all that sort of stuff. So I think mm. I think he's definitely a nice a nice person. And, and, and you know, like I say, that first season where he did get Hammer of the Year, as I always say, I don't think he should have been Hammer of the Year. But the fact that he was definitely a contender for it, and he scored some crucial goals and stuff. So yeah, you can't look past his contribution that season. Definitely not. Um, so forward of the year obviously I know these players aren't technically forwards but in order to make it just not Antonio I put them in there so the main ones you're going to be looking at are Antonio Bowen um, Yarmolenko and Ben Rama well it's got to go to Jared for me now I, yeah. I, I think Mickey his goal scoring has been poor really in terms of his consistency but you just cannot overlook his his level of work rate that he's put in he's put in such a shift and he works his nuts off and he's a beast going forward and by making himself ever present he also creates opportunities for other players and opens the game up and I think sometimes that gets overlooked and I think sometimes we're judging purely on goals which is understandable when you're talking about a striker but the modern games change so much that sometimes that isn't the fairest way to judge someone anymore, I don't think. That said, the consistency and work rate and quality of Jarrah Bowen means that, again, this one's pretty easy for me. And the cherry on the cake, deservedly so, is that the season ends with him getting an England call-up. So it's got to go to Jared. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. Um, be interesting again for second place there because I, I think it should be Antonio for the reasons you said and the work rate he puts in, etc., etc. But then Yarmolenko, obviously what he went through, obviously it was a, not the greatest of season, but he did get a couple of crucial goals for us towards the yeah. end and then obviously throwing the sentimental reasons. And Ben Rama, you know, he be again a bit inconsistent, but some games, you know, Norwich away and there's a few others where he, you know, really ripped it up. So be interesting to see the order on that one. Um then I did goal of the season. There will be more options than these ones just to give people more variety. But the ma- the main ones I picked out for me um, were Yarmolenko's against Aston Villa, the sort of the technique of getting that out of his feet and putting it away. Then Lanzini against Crystal Palace, which I think we both voted for 
yeah. as the goal of the season, the main awards. But the thing with the goal of the season, the main awards, is that they didn't have the next goal in, which was Antonio's against Brighton, because they'd already decided the award before then. Now, obviously, Antonio's goal against Brighton, top corner, right on the edge of the area. You know, that's got to be a contender. Um, and then Declan Rice against Zagreb ran most of the length of the uh, pitch and put that away and there's a there's a few others you know Lanzini against Man City was a good one um so there's a few others you know Masaraku against uh Chelsea or was it Liverpool Chelsea whether you argue whether that was a goal or a cross uh, Martin Allen would tell you that was goal of the season so uh <laughs> yeah, yeah um, so <laughs> there'll be a few options on that one really and I think that would be a bit closer this award than probably any of the others really yeah uh I just I remember watching that goal against Palace from Lanzini and I just thought wow I mean that is technique that's technique that is to adjust your feet the control the weight on the ball I, I just thought I'm just really trying to challenge myself on this and I just don't think I can X. I voted for it officially via the website but I'm gonna to have to do it unofficially again I think it's got to go to him and what a goal that was and do you know what on Lanzini it's been refreshing really to see him the closest he's been back to his best for a few seasons now. And it kind of gives you uh, a glimmer of hope that we could see him back at his peak when yeah. I think most of us thought that he never would be. Um, yeah. and, and you're talking about glimpses of um, of his best self. I mean, that was evident against Crystal Palace. Whenever. What a goal that is. And that gets my vote. Yeah, I think it gets mine as well. Though Antonio's is a good goal. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to see that uh, um, again um, and look at it. Um, but yeah, I think it will be that one. Um, kit of the season. Obviously, only three options here, but home, away, or third. Uh, it's got to go to the away for me, the Argentina style. I thought that yeah. was it's a beautiful kit. That I, do, do you know what, mate? I liked all of them. It's nice to have free kits that you really like. I don't know if you liked all of them, yeah, but I liked yeah. every single one of them. But for me, the Argentina one, that's a lovely kit that. Really nice. So that gets my vote. Yeah, I think the same for me as well. Um, best signing. This one's a, a really two contenders. We actually didn't sign many players, obviously. So and the ones who did, like Crow and Flasic, are going to get the vote. So I would say the two contenders for this are Ariola and, and Zuma. But given the fact that Ario didn't play all the all the games. I mean, I know Zuma didn't, but I think Zuma probably would edge that for me. Um, I don't even think he'd edge it. I mean, and I'm even taking the controversy into account as well. I think Kurt Zuma, honestly, is one of the best centre-halves in the division. I, I just, I look at that signing and I think, wow. And what was it, 25 million we paid X, was it? Yeah, up to 30, uh, I think, yeah. I mean, in this day and age, for a centre-half like that, with the pedigree that he's got and the level of consistency that he's shown, and listen, you know that, um, you know, me being the, the biggest animal lover in the world, I was absolutely sickened by what he'd done, as I think you was, I think everyone was. But to his credit, to play immediately after that, with the kind of bravery and level of professionalism that he did, with all the stick that he got and still deliver top performances, says a lot about his character, I think. So that coupled with his ability, I, I, I think Kurt Zuma's different class. I'm so pleased we're going to be going into next season with him at the back as well. And, you know, I know we've been linked with one centre-half in particular, who the more I see of, who I didn't know anything about previously, looks to be a good player as well. So uh, it's got to go to Kurt for me. 
Yeah, I'm the same. Um, most improved player. Now, I found this award really quite hard to pick players for because, you know, some of the players I've picked were good anyway. It's just I feel like they've got even better this year. Um, so, I mean, you could even technically throw Declan into that because, you know, whilst he was good last year, you know, he's got even better this year. So it was quite hard to pick contenders to this but i've narrowed it down and so to who i think will be the front runners but of course the result the actual poll will have a few more options but i've put ben rama in there i've put dawson in there I've put johnson in there and i've put bowen um you know i know bowen was great last year but this year i feel like he's gone on and kicked on and been even more useful to us and obviously like you said earlier the fact he got called up in the england squad sort of sums that up really um so for me they're the four i guess you could argue Argue Lanzini maybe on the fact that he's been um, a lot more effective this year for us than, than perhaps last. Uh, and yeah, they were the contenders that I put down. Yeah, do you know what? That is a tough one. That is a tough one. I think, the, do you know what? Funny enough, the first name that came into my mind as she was reading the question, funny enough, was Lanzini. Yeah, because was that, I, yeah. I really have seen such a drastic level of improvement in his game. Now, obviously, for no fault of his own, he, he had a horrific injury and it's taken a long time to get back to anywhere near his best. But we have seen him near his best this season, whereas we haven't done in previous seasons. So he's got to be up there, definitely. Craig Dawson, for his level of consistency and top quality performances, I think I'm going to find it hard to look past. We've, with Jared, that's another good shout but part of me isn't really surprised how well he's done this season because I don't think he was a million miles off it last season. Yeah. So I think I would have to go with Craig Dawson. Okay, interesting. Um, what would most, you say? Yeah, I, I'm really torn because <clears throat> Dawson was playing well last year as well. It's the same as Bowen. Like, they, it's not as if they were shit last year and suddenly no, good this year. No. Like some players do that don't they like they're really not very good and then they suddenly get very good um and there's a big difference whereas i don't think there is that big a difference but i i think probably i would go with dawson as well because i think last year he was good but this year he's like the fact that he's a contender for hammer of the year you know shows how much he has progressed so i, I think i agree with you i think i would go with dawson as, as well you know um, what i mean as you're saying that though mate i'm half tempted to retract my answer and go with lanzini yeah but but in t- if you if you sort of strip it back and you you look at the nuts and bolts of what this award relates to because you are quite right. I mean, Dolce had a decent season last season. Yeah. But then again, with the exception of a couple of good goals from Lanzini, has he had enough of an end product to to nick it? Oh, it's a really yeah. hard one, actually. You know, it, is, it is, because I can see your argument for Lanzini, but there's part of me that thinks that whilst this season was better than the last, it's been his best one for a couple of years, it still isn't up to the standard. That, and I know, like you said, it's injuries, but it wasn't up to the standard when he first came here. You know, you think how good he was mm. that year when we had Pie and stuff, and yes, he got injured, so that's the reason, but you, you're almost discounting reasons. You're just looking for the facts, and the facts are he hasn't been as good as that season so yes he's been better this season than last but has he been better enough than last season to show that much of a difference but then you could argue the same for Dawson and the same for Bowen because they were both really good last year they just got possibly even better this year so it is a really tricky reward you know Johnson went from being a slightly a bit part last year to being you know quite 
quite important this year. So there's a shout for him. Ben Rama's definitely got more consistent this year, I would say, and has more in products now than he did previously. So that there's an argument for every player in that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, and I think in the interest of time, I'll, I'll think I'll stick with Dolce. Okay, um, most memorable game, and again, so many to pick from here. Um, and again, I'll put more options than I'm going to talk about here. But you've got the three-two win over Liverpool, obviously the win over Chelsea. You've got the cup win on penalties over City, or the cup win over Manchester United. You've got Leon away three-nil. Uh, you've got Seville at home two-nil. Um, there's a lot of options there for most memorable game. And it just highlights just how many special memories the club created for the fans this season, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, Spurs at home, I think, as well. Yeah, I, I think I, I might have alluded to this last week. I think if I would have been at the home game against Seville, it might have been that. But because I was actually at Leon away, that result, what it meant, just how comfortable we were in a, a European quarterfinal. I mean, we absolutely pissed it. And just the euphoria of those goals going in. Oh, I think I would have to go with Leon, I think. We were phenomenal yeah. that night. Yeah, see, I was at all of those games, bar the City one. I was actually on holiday for that, annoyingly, mm. although I did watch it. Um, I, I'm really torn between Leon and Seville and, and Liverpool and Chelsea um, to beat Liverpool, who were obviously, like at the time, that was, you know, at their peak there, nothing. They were leading the league at that point and phenomenal. Um, big result. Big result that. Um, and it just showed that we were a decent team then to be able to outplay them. But I'm really torn between Leon and Seville. I really am. I think. I think in terms of most memorable, when I look back at the season, if I could go to a game again, I still find it so hard to choose between those. But I think because Yarmolenko scored with like two minutes to go and it was so close and so nervy and the atmosphere was phenomenal and obviously it was Yarmolenko with all the stuff he had going on as well. It was a bit of a fairy tale story. I think for me, that's just edges it, just edges it over um, Leon. And that was the best atmosphere, Seville, that I'd ever experienced since I've been um, in that stadium <coughs> so for that I remember it as an amazing atmosphere so I think that's just going to edge it for me no I can totally understand that totally understand it I think my trailer fault to extend on what I've already explained with Leon is it was also away from home in a very yeah. hostile atmosphere uh, in a later round of that competition and I think when you look at just how comfortable we were again I go back to saying it I, I never expect it to be that comfortable. Um, I just, yeah, for me, that's why. And I wasn't at Seville as well. That plays a part. I think that is why Leon edges it for me. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if Seville gets that with patrons because that was a, a very special night for different reasons. Again, it was just um, script written, really, when it for Yarms. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer there, really. And everyone's different with with what's special to them. So it's yeah. interesting that you've gone with Seville when I've gone with Leon, both of which really are a toss of a coin because it's just special, special nights. But uh, yeah, interesting. 
Yeah. Um, so this one's a tricky one. So it's called most memorable moment. So that's not necessarily a positive. That could be a positive or a negative when you look back on this season in years to come when we're old, as I say, when we're old men, but when we're older men than we are now. Um, I guess I mean, we're old men as it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm slightly more older than you. Um, but yeah, I think we're both approaching middle age now. That's yeah, sure we're yeah. not already there. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, when we look back on this season in years to come, what will be the sort of things that stick in your memory from those times? So it could be positive, it could be negative. And as I say, I will put a few more options than, than what I'm about to read out here. But the ones I thought of was Noble's last home game against Man City um, and the whole like you know occasion around that. Um, Yarmolenko's goal against Aston Villa, just with what was going on in the world at that moment. And you know the fact he cried and all the players consoled him him and it was like right at the peak when that that I mean I know the war is still going on now and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon but it was like when it was the press in the press every single day and stuff and he scored that goal and obviously got loads of worldwide recognition for it the Zuma cat incident you know as, as, as much of a negative as it is it has kind of overshadowed the season particularly at the moment you know when we played was it Watford I think when that had just happened you know that was all over the press and now that he's having the trial now it's again back in the press the pie capital bid i mean you seem to forget about that but that was right at the start of the season wasn't it you know yeah i remember when we were going to newcastle away which was obviously the first game of the season which actually seems like unbelievably long ago when you think back but we were talking about it there and obviously we had tony cotty on to talk about it and stuff so the pie capital bid um european tour you know you're gonna throw in you know the the qualifying rounds league rounds which we didn't go to but then if you throw in Seville Leon Frankfurt even you know Frankfurt was a negative result and stuff but the actual atmosphere in the stadium I'll never forget um so they were they were the kind of main ones that I thought of really in terms of significant moments you know you've got maybe Mark Noble's miss against Manchester United when he came on as a sub to take the penalty and then missed it um you know that was quite a iconic moment although negative but iconic um so i'd be i'm really interested to see what people remember this season more for do you know what mate you know as you're talking about what the options are it's just a reminder as just to how incredible this season has been for so many different reasons isn't it Mm -hmm. i mean the whole season has been so memorable i mean if you talk about seasons in our history in terms of memorable history so given the amount of time we've been going to west ham this has got to be up there. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it will be up there, no doubt, you know, in 10, 20, 30, 40 years time as a season that we, we remember as one of the most memorable, I think. It's yeah. incredible when you look at the amount that's gone on this season. Well, on you know, the pitch. obviously, just to update um, people, we are doing our, our book at the moment called Highs, Lows and Decanios, and it's a reflection of the 1990s West Ham. So we do a review of each season. Uh, Sid writes uh, an amazing chapter recapping the key moments, and then Dave and I talk about those moments and what we remember about the season and so on. And you could do it about the 90s because it was so eventful. Every season, something significant happened. Which you think if he was to do one now about this season, the chapter would be huge. Yeah, it would. There's so much to talk about. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, cutting to the chase, and it is, again, it just could be one of so many answers. Could be one of so many answers. 
but I just think because of the person that scored it in the dramatic fashion that it was in a, a, a competition of such a high level of importance. It was the yeah. Aston Villa game. I said, not, I don't think you're going to say the Seville one, aren't you? you I am going to say the Seville one. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. The atmosphere in so the stadium. Add that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's got to be that, actually, for me. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I put the Aston Villa one in there because that was the first one that he'd scored, given the circumstances. Yeah, but yeah I could add I could add the Seville one in. Um, I'm surprised he chose that one, you know, actually. I didn't think he'd go for that one. Um, but, yeah, it, again, there's, there's no wrong answer, obviously, of course. That was a huge, huge moment. Um, but I think if you think about this season, it's really hard, isn't it? I, I hate to say it. I really, really do because it's so negative compared to what was a great season but the cat thing is like i think that's the one thing you'll definitely remember oh like, yeah like yeah. you'll never forget that and you won't forget your Malenko's goal either but when you think about incidents i hate it because it's negative and it's i think it's been completely blown out of proportion but arguably that one overshadows all of them yeah well i, I think you're right so when i when i say about you know, how disgusted I was now. We all were with the cat incident and it was disgusting. I've, I've looked back now and I wince at what I saw. Fuck, you know, you talk about it being blown out of proportion. When he arrived at court the other day, you'd think he was up on a triple murder fucking oh, charge. No. Well, Mason Greenwood arrived and there was no press there. No, but, the, but then that's the point I've always highlighted, isn't it? You know, certain clubs and players get protected. Yeah. And uh, it's just like a journalist's dream when something goes tits up at West Ham because it yeah. it fits the agenda and that's what makes me sick. And I just don't think that's ever going to change unless we get a, a billionaire owner and suddenly we become one of the biggest clubs in the world and then we're the Premier League's friend again then. Do you know what I mean? And they want to yeah. protect us at all costs. But And that's just one example with, with the Kurt Zuma case. But yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, it's incredible really to think... Yeah, never a dull moment with West Ham. And then on the one hand, you're shocked and surprised. And on the other, you think, well, this is West Ham. You know, how many of this, these type of crazy scenarios have we witnessed as fans? Um, but I, I can't let that overshadow the Yarmolenko moment. Yeah, I just I don't think that, want that was to so say, special. I agree. I don't want it to because it's awful. So it's such a positive season. Remember, one negative, but I'm just trying to picture it 20 years' time. If there's someone since you, I remember that season. Uh, you know, and you and you'd be like, oh yeah, and it'll be like, what um, what is the most like um, you know, poignant moment, and that that almost <laughs> seems like it for the rock. For obviously, it's awful. Pi Capital, another one. You know, I think I, I reckon by then we would have forgotten about them so much. But the whole, like, even not even just the fact they tried to take over, but the whole way they went about it. You know, the random interviewing themselves and fucking that up, and you know, the, all the, just the randomness. Tom Skinner being the spokesman for them. Bless Tom, lovely fella. But that it's not your standard takeover, is it? Like it's no. just all a, just all a bit bizarre, really. But um, yeah, I think yeah. even Creswell's sending off against Frankfurt. You yeah. know, I mean, to, to this day, people still talk about Tony Gale being sent off in the semis at, at Villa Park. Yeah, um, yeah. To this day, they still talk about it. Now, I think there was more controversy behind that as to whether he, sh he yeah. should or shouldn't have been sent off. And I don't think there was controversy as such with Creswell's. But in terms of what that meant for the game, I think, I think, as optimistic as we all try to be, when Cres got sent off in the second leg of that game, I think 
being one nil down as well with the atmosphere that we were faced with, I think we all kind of knew it was over on the back yeah. of that red card. So yeah. that that was a massively memorable moment as well for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really tough one. And, uh, you know, there's other things you could p- pick out as well. From, so from what's your re- answer? Are you going with Kurt? I feel wrong doing that on such a positive season, choosing that. But I'm trying to answer it in, in honesty and trying to answer it in like what I think people will remember in 10, 15 years' time. And as, as wrong as I think it is, they'll be remembered for that. Part of me thinks just because of the press coverage of it, that will be the thing that people remember the most. Mm. Yeah, no, um, I can understand why you're saying it. Because it is. Mm-hmm. It, was, um, it was absolutely shocking. And people remember shocking moments in history. And yeah. uh, and I think people probably by human nature remember the stuff that's more negative than positive, and that's more you know unique. I mean. Unique, like you know, with your Yarmolenko one, you're right. It was an amazing moment, but players score amazing goals and have amazing moments regularly. Yeah, Thank- thankfully, players don't often boot cats around their kitchen, so um, it's quite like. Or if they do, their brothers don't fucking feel me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, So yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting one. Um, Then I've put most disappointing things. So these are negatives, and I I could think of quite a few of them. But the the four main things I can think of is Zuma and the cat, um, VAR, and just the sort of what feels like a continued bias towards um, the top six teams, the Pi Capital takeover. It was an absolute shambles, really, when you look back on it. And, you know, West Ham fans, uh, like the majority of fans, have been calling out for at least some kind of investment or some form of takeover. And we get someone making a move. You know, they start to do things the way they did, including which could also be a separate thing, getting Rio Ferdinand involved. So I almost put Rio Ferdinand's constant negative comments towards the club. I almost put that as another factor, as a disappointing thing. And I might actually put that in as an option because for me, I loved I loved Rio Ferdinand. You know, he was like, I, like when he broke through the team, obviously only about three or four years older than me. So I was, when I was just getting into football, like properly going to away games and stuff, I loved Rio and I had the privilege to meet him a few times at the start of his career and for him to then seem to almost be against West Ham whenever he talks about us that's a disappointing thing um no investment in January you know we had potential to really kick on um as Spurs did you know Spurs signed two players in January and they looked the least likely of the teams to get the fourth place out of those that are in contention at the time but they were the ones that got it because I think those two players um added a bit more spark to them and just rejuvenated the squad a little bit so no investment in January you could argue um you could you could talk about injuries you know injuries to Bonner um at one point you know we had one fit center back you know you, you could talk about that there's so many but I think I think for me again because it's the most memorable it's also the most disappointing to have your club dragged through the mud like we were I think it's for me it's between the no investment in January and the Zuma cat instant with the top six bias and VAR stuff closely behind yeah there's a case for every single one of them and they're good options that you put forward the one that isn't in there that I that I would give a lot of consideration to, and it's actually probably my second choice, would be the Frankfurt home leg. Okay. Um, because, you know, we were, we were so optimistic going into that game, and it was like a carnival atmosphere outside the stadium yeah. before the game. But then for some unknown reason, possibly the fact that we conceded in less than a minute, the atmosphere was just dead. I mean, you're talking about the 
incredible atmosphere and the best that you've ever seen at that stadium for the Seville game because it was constant support and and constant kind of euphoria of the occasion, etc. and getting behind the boys. It just went dead when we conceded. And uh, I think people were, were too late to their seats. And the whole experience from a fan's point of view, I thought that, and I don't want to piss people off here, I don't think we played our part as fans that night at all. And then to have, have lost the game and give ourselves the worst possible chance going into that second leg against a team that I believe we were better than, that was massively disappointing. And it stemmed from that home leg for me. But I think my, my actual answer would be no investment in January. Because okay. I think when the window shut, and I said this on last week's show, I remember saying that the fact that we haven't signed anyone is going to be the difference between whether we achieve something special or not. And uh, and I think that really has come to fruition because, you know, if we would have signed a striker and we would have bolstered the squad and we would have added quality, and I don't know who's responsible for not doing that. I don't know if it was the board, I don't know if it was David Moyes, I don't know if Rob Newman didn't produce a list that he was expected to produce. Whoever was responsible, it was detrimental because there was too much of a reliance on Antonio, too much of a reliance on the fitness of players to play week in, week out, sometimes twice a week. Um, and I just think if we would have made those investments, the outcome of some of the games we're talking about might have been different. So I think that the disappointment of that has to be my first choice. Okay, fair enough. Um, so the next award was What most... was your choice, by the way, on that? I, I, I think most disappointing thing. I think oh, I'm going to go with Zuma and the Cat. I think, again, yeah. <laughs> I think just because it just drew such negative attention to us when it had been such a, a great season, you know, at the time there was all calls that West Ham should sack him, that he should never play for us again. That um, Then when Moyes picked him, that Moyes was wrong for picking him. And, and then I, I, every time I tweeted something, for about a week there would be I don't know what the word is to describe them animal lovers but might describe them slightly differently if I was off air but there was people just like literally all over my account saying um, it doesn't matter what you think your club um, employs a cat abuser um, and I'd tweet something like you know Mark Noble had a great day today yeah well your your, your defender should be playing he's a cat abuser and I got this for about a week just constant stuff and I think you know I had people text me you know people that I used to work with and stuff that know nothing about football saying things like, I can't believe your club your club disgusting almost like holding me responsible for what for what zuma did and that and i and i think yeah. it just brought such a negative image to us when you know west ham's image i guess through hooliganism and th various other things probably isn't the best to the, to the to the outside world to then have that thrown in as well just i don't think it was, was i just think it was awful really and it just wasn't good at all in terms of a in terms of a, a playing perspective and the most disappointing thing from that, then I totally agree with you in terms of, you know, we really should have invested in January just to give us a bit more substance, a bit more options and so on. And I think that was a detriment to our season. But in terms of the actual wider picture and the negative wider picture, I think cat incident was, was that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so this is most missed. So this is a player that left us the, the season before that we missed the most last season. Now, there was a couple of others I could have thrown in here. Um, but to be honest with you, like the players that we sold, to be honest, they're not going to be contenders. The four contenders, I think, that would have any argument are Balbuena. You know, Balbuena was a, a decent defender. And, you know, at times when we needed a centre-back, you know, with our shortage, if Balbuena had been around, 
the problem would have been a lot less of a problem because I think he was a decent Premier League centre back, and I actually still, with even with hindsight, would have offered him um, an extra deal, a one-year deal when he when he left. Um, Felipe Anderson, I think we all agreed he was right to go. I mean, it was the right decision to to move him on. Um, however, uh, he, you know, he. Um, he did have talent, you know, he might have got that spark back, he might have been that extra attacking player that we needed in some games where we couldn't break them down. Then you've got the obvious Jesse Lingard, you know, the impact he had in, in the half of the season that he was there um, was, was huge. Um, Winston Reid, you know, I think he, he, whilst he hadn't played for years before that in terms of his actual status and stature within the club. Um, you know, that was a that was a big thing. Um, so, yeah, they're the four main contenders for me. Yeah, I would have to go with Jesse Lingard on that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, the impact he has on games and how well he did for us before. I think we've missed that. And two, his versatility. Because during a period where, you know, we have needed to give Mickey a rest or or try and mix it up maybe by playing two up front or just being able to have another player that can play up front, uh, Jesse would give you that. So his versatility as well as um, his contribution on the pitch is uh, is the reason I think I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I think I think the same for me. I think he's the he is the most missed, and I think if we'd had him in a couple of our games, we would have won them, which we didn't. Um, and I think we would have got sixth place much more comfortably had we had him in the side. So I agree in terms of West Ham legacies. Then obviously Winston Reid had the biggest one that then ended, but he hadn't played for us for a good couple of years before that, and hasn't played since we released him either. I don't know whether he's intending to get a club for next season, but from following him on Instagram, he just appears to be in Dubai the whole time so I don't know if his injuries have just made him give up on his football career now I mean he's probably made enough from it to be comfortable anyway but um yeah I think Jesse Lingard has to be the one I mean we obviously did miss Balbuena I think we would have done well if we'd had Balbuena um, but Lingard was the match winner and I think therefore he he just about gets the gets the nod so yeah that that concludes the the awards there was a few others I thought we could do like best save and and a few other things that I thought of but to be honest with you <laughs> last year we got people saying they were getting too many notifications about all the polls we're putting out a big tip to people that do get too many notifications is just turn the notifications off it's quite a quite a simple solution like we get something called a, a patron exit survey so whenever patrons leave um patron they, they can put a reason why they've left and i do remember people saying too many notifications as i say there is a very simple solution go into settings and turn off notifications and then you won't get any notifications then um i actually went Wish people would do that so when i accidentally tweet out uh, accidentally put the team out before i should have <laughs> no one would have noticed but um unfortunately with notifications on they did notice and <clears throat> yeah that, that was one of my that was probably one of my most disappointing moments of the season actually when i when, <laughs> yeah. I, when I did that and then then that's a show that I, it wasn't confirmed that there was a few other options even though really it was confirmed at that point and it was just a bit of a disaster um, and then to face all the abuse of the bloody morons who could 
couldn't work it out that what had actually happened and we go ah you put four teams out you didn't know what the team and it's just like the whole episode was complete car crash so, so yeah it would, be good, it would be good if notifications were turned off um, but yeah that, that is a similar solution and obviously next week on on the show I'll put the polls as to conclude before next week's show and then we'll be able to give you who are the official West Ham way podcast winners of these categories yeah good stuff mate and it was a great way to reflect on what's been a remarkable season really for different reasons so yeah. thank you for doing that um, we look forward to seeing what the patrons think and and uh, those results will be revealed next week as X says so on last week's show we announced the final top five of the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition and we can now tell you what the respective prizes are so first place will receive £250 in cash a signed shirt a season ticket to the West Ham Way pre-match events and free entry into the competition next season. Second place wins £100, a season ticket to the pre-match events, a copy of the Goodbye Ginge event and free entry into the competition next season. Third place wins £50 in cash, uh, a season ticket to the pre-match events and free entry into the competition next season. Fourth place wins £25 in cash, free entry to the competition and two tickets to a pre-match event of their choice. And finally, fifth place wins free entry to the competition and two tickets to a pre-match event of their choice. And to remind everyone, fifth place went to Nigel DeZuman, fourth was Gary Prince, third was Chris Stone, second was Jay Sayward-Jones, and the winner with an incredible 4,798 points was Tom Adorian. And earlier on, we had the pleasure of speaking to the champ, and this is what he had to say. Tom. You didn't just win the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition. You absolutely pissed it. First question, an obvious question, is what is your secret? Oh, I, I knew you were going to ask me that today. Um, <laughs> un, un, unfortunately, I haven't really, there's not really anything to tell you on that front, actually. Um, all, all the basic stuff, like you got into every week. Um, obviously, the, all the West Ham games count double. Um, so pay, pay particular attention to those ones. Um, and Dave, I'm sure you'll agree with this bit, but obviously I think every, all the listeners will know this is like, this game is a real test of football expertise. It's spot on. I mean, spot really, on. really separates those who know their football <laughs> from those who don't. So actually, a lot, of it, a lot of it is just, you know, paying attention, watching the game, analysing it and being able to, uh, yeah, predict the results of next week. <laughs> Favourite guest um, ever, by the way. Favourite <laughs> guest ever. I'm, I'm going to go slightly off script here. How much would you say luck plays in, in your success? Don't let me down here, Tom. <laughs> I mean, all I'm going to say is 38 rounds, right? Yeah. 10 games a week, 380 games. It's, that's not going to be luck, is it, Dave? He's fine. How much have you paid this, Fedor? Seriously, I bet there's more prize than I'm aware of. Well, I'll tell you now, your cash prize has just gone up. Another off-script question: Have you have you ever played fantasy football? Oh, here we go. It's shit, Tom. Isn't it? You don't wait. Stop putting words in his mouth, David. I don't. I mean, like. So, so many people do, right? But it's just yeah. it's so much time and effort, isn't it? Like, you have it's to like really, com- really complicated oh, and tactical. Yeah, ah, it's a waste of time. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll get people back. People would have most time, wouldn't don't they, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, surely that proves that it's luck with the predictions because you don't need much time. You just throw them in just there. Just get straight up. to the point. You just get straight <laughs> to the point. If you know yeah. your football, you can look at the game and go, I know what's going to happen there. 
Exactly. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Actually. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. No, right. Let, let's let's not stop dominating this interview. Don't <laughs> let the man talk. Um, so, did you ever bet on any of your score predictions? Because I mean, if you'd actually put cash on it with like a bookies or something, you'd be quite a wealthy man right now. Do you know what I realised? So I, I don't. I mean, when I go to the the game at the weekend, I, I'll often, you know, I'll bet. I usually bet on the result or on goal scorers, that sort of thing. But I don't like. I don't like systematically, consistently bet. But X, I noticed your um as we as we were covering it more and more as the season went on, um as, as Dave moved up the table, um, as I, I, I noticed your abuse, you were like you were you were basically saying to me if he's not betting on football every week, then he's a very I think you even said stupid. Possibly, possibly. So I can always find that quote. Tom, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I think off the bat, I think next season I should start. I think I might, yeah. I might put a little bit of money aside, try a little pot, and see if it's um, and, and see if it works. I guess. Did you find it hard? Again, I'm going off script, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Did you find it hard to bet on West Ham? Because, like, for example, at the weekend against Brighton, I, I knew that really to be different to Dave, to claw him up, I had to bet on a Brighton win, but I couldn't like force myself to do that because I didn't want to be watching the game, semi hoping that West Ham didn't win it. Did you ever have a bit of that when you were betting on West Ham? Yeah, it's definitely harder, especially um, like if you go in, like if you do it on the way to the game or something. Like and you're starting to get excited about the game, and you start to get more and more optimistic as you get closer. You're like, I think we can do this today, yeah. and that's that's when you get sucked into thinking West Ham are going to win, and we all know what what really happens most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Interesting. So, what have you made of the season that we've had? Has it been a success, or is it a story of missed opportunities, Tom? I think. Um, look, I, I know it's a really cl- cliche thing to say, but. I think um, that I'm definitely in the camp of uh, w- w- where we are at the moment is just so fantastic. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, there's, there's some missed opportunity this season. You know, we, we certainly paid for lack of activity in January. And look, just you know, our home record this year, we are so well against the top teams and so many drop points against the bottom half of the table. You have to look back at that and go, that's a that's, that's, you know, missed opportunity. But at the same time, like it's just phenomenal. Where we are. It's so good. It's it's such a good buzz. I think around the club at the moment. I just hope we don't get spoiled by coming sixth and then seventh, and and everyone starts just to accept that. And we start, you know, if we you know, we're at Christmas next year and we're ninth or something, I hope it doesn't start to get toxic or anything like that. Because I think we're in a great situation. But I think this is a this is a huge transfer window for us. I mean, a really really important um, window. I think it's you know we've had had more for two and a half is now right and I think this is like his uh, some of the players moving on now aren't necessarily players that he would have brought in and I think um chance to kind of complete the balance and the, and the, and the size of the squad as well right Mm, well yeah, well, yeah, well said. I mean, as you just alluded to, there is a big summer coming up. I mean, how many players do you think we need to sign, and what positions are priority? <sighs> it's a tough one. I, I look. I, I think um, when you, when you bring too many in, right. You could you see it? It's hard. It, it doesn't gel straight away. Most of the teams that go through really big transformation struggle the first year afterwards. You know, ideally, you want to get to a situation where you're only adding one or two right mm. every summer. But we definitely need more than that. Um, my my personal view, uh, obviously, obviously, we need someone up top, um, and that's gonna that's gonna be the key thing. I think. Um, 
Yeah, well, I was saying earlier about how we struggle against some of the, the, the weaker teams. I, I, I sometimes think, you know, with, with, with Ben Rama, with Lanzini, Vlasic, Fornals, I, 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 it's not... I, I think we're so dependent on Deck or, or, or Jared Bowen to actually take the ball and drive past someone and create the advantage when a team's sitting deep. I just, and that's why, that's why Lingard helped us so much. I just think we need someone who's a bit, bit, bit quicker, first couple of steps, bit stronger, who can, who can do that. Because I think some of those guys are a little bit lightweight when, when teams sit back. I don't think they, they beat their man well enough. So, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, someone like Ben Rahman moved on this summer and we, we brought Lingard or someone of an equivalent, you know, attributes in, in, in that spot. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think it makes a, a lot of sense there, Tom. So finally, mate, and I know this is probably an impossible question to answer because we don't know what we're going to do this summer, but being the new king of predictions, what do you predict sure. for West Ham next season? <laughs> or should I say, what's your hunch? Do you think we can match the success of last season or do you think we can go uh, we can go one better and, and do even better? Um, I think it's in terms of breaking into that top six, like a lot of it will depend on because those teams go for ups and downs, right? And like the year when Leicester won it, like all six of them pretty much had off years and a chance to take advantage. And, and the year before when we finished sixth, obviously Arsenal, Arsenal would blow us and Tottenham actually, weren't they? But we were fifth, sorry, fifth we came, didn't we? Uh two seasons ago. Um so it sort of depends on that a little bit whether or not we can actually break into that top group. But I, I think, and I think most of the league would see us now is that team sitting around sixth, seventh. And if we can just outperform a little bit and one of the teams or maybe two of the teams have you know, a bad year, like a rebuilding year or something, and there's no reason why we can't we can't get fifth and and, and maybe even fourth if 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 a couple of those teams have have difficult seasons. But I, I I genuinely think we are that sixth or seventh best team in the league now, and with a good transfer window this season, then hopefully that's the that's the situation next year. Mm, mm. And a trophy would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, would can you nice. imagine? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, stranger trophies now yourself, Tom. Um, you haven't won a physical trophy, so sorry to disappoint you. Didn't mean to set you up there, uh, <laughs> but I can tell you what you have won. So you've won two hundred and fifty pound in cash, a signed shirt, a season ticket to the West Ham Way pre-match events, and free entry into the competition next season, as well as an appearance on a podcast, which you've just done uh, very well, very well indeed, mate. So congratulations, mate. Um, it's been great having you on, Tom. Congratulations mm. on the win. Enjoy the prizes and good luck for the competition next season. And I would like to say, because I was just getting a little bit of stick there, you did do bloody well, mate. And, you, and the way you Thank spoke you. there as well. You clearly do know your football, so fair play to you. Cheers, fellas. And thanks for having me on. It's been a huge pleasure to, to be on a podcast today. So, yeah, thanks for that. It was great speaking to Tom there. Congratulations to him and the other four that made up the top five. We'll be in touch to get the prizes over to you. As for everyone else, we hope you enjoyed the competition and we hope you'll play again next season. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. 
It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.